Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. I pray that everyone is doing well. I know that we have some sickness going on in the church, and pray for your brothers and sisters. There's a lot going around, and uh, we have several that's sick, several's in the hospital, so please pray uh, for the peace that only God can give. I, I tell you right now, there's no greater peace knowing that I can go to Jesus Christ and I can cry out to his name, and I pray that you can too. I want to uh, begin uh, this sermon, if you will, by letting you know that on your bulletin is the wrong verses. We're going to be in 11 through 22, 11 through 22, but um, to let you know that right off the bat, but I wanted to give a recap of what is going on. Now, last week, we spoke about <clears throat> the person of Christ and the work of Christ in, in the illustrations of the tabernacle, the first uh, two sections, or first a section of verses, if you will, and how the, 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 the altar, the lover, the incense, the menorah, the, the mercy seat, all pointed to the person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And it was to give these Hebrew believers the understanding that since they were very familiar with the sacrificial system, that they need to understand that that which was done was temporary and pointed to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then we get in the second section of, of the verses we saw, they're like 6 through 11, it tells us that what was done in the outer court, what was done in the holy place, and what is done in the holy of holies, that the, the work was done outside in the court was that that was done on earth, which Jesus died on the cross and in the holy place, that which Christ is doing in heaven, and he is our mediator. He is the great high priest, you know, like I said many times. You need to understand this, every one of you need a priest. And that priest is Jesus Christ. It's not a human priest, it's the priest Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, we, go, we talked about the person of Christ, we talked about the work of Christ, now we're going to talk about the why of Christ. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. We will begin reading Hebrews 9, we're going to begin in verse 11. Please stand with me as we read. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through the blood, his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer, of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh... How much more will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, he is a mediator of a new covenant, so that since the death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must, be, must of necessity be the death of one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For every commandment that had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. In the same way, he sprinkled both tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with blood. And according to the law, one may almost say all things were cleansed, are cleansed with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And you may sit down. 
Now, I'm going to talk about two things here. I'm going to talk about a covenant, and I'm going to talk about blood. Now, I don't know how most of you feel about blood, but I know some people get squeamish. There are people that when they have their blood taken, they pass out. What you will find in these section of verses, that the word blood will be mentioned eight times. Why blood? Why must blood be offered? Now, you have to understand that Leviticus 17.11 says that blood must be paid. There must be blood paid for sin. It requires a blood payment. Why? Because life is in blood. And by that blood that's been given, that life is taken, that blood is shed for sin. For the wages of sin is death. There must be a price paid. Now what he'll say in the first part of this Verses, and I want you to see as we look, that he says since Jesus, if we go back to verse 11, when Christ appeared as the great high priest to all good things to come, he entered through the great and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is not to say this creation. What we saw was a mirror. Christ, as the great high priest, has finished the work. And in the tabernacle that is not made in human hands, but made on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. Here's the thing. The Mosaic system of sacrifice was given to the people that they would shed the, bloats, uh, the blood of animals to cover their sin. Keep that in mind. To cover their sin. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been around slaughter, it is not a pretty thing. Now, I want to share that with you, and I want to share some illustrations, not to gross you out, but I want you to put in perspective four things that are found in these verses about the why of Christ. You see, what he says is not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. The blood of goats and calves was temporary. It wasn't enough. They were animals. But it took his blood that would cleanse us all. Now, here's what I want you to think about. And I want you to write down this first and foremost. Number one, by what Christ did, he shed his blood voluntarily. Voluntarily. This is very important. Now, when I was talking about the shedding of blood and, and animals and slaughter, by trade, I'm also not only an electrician, but I am a meat cutter, okay? And yes, I'm going to maybe gross you out for a few moments, but I hope you get this picture. Because I want you to understand the price paid on Calvary. You see, when an animal is led to slaughter, he enters through the gate. And what happens is once that animal, whether it be a goat, whether it be a cow, whether it be a pig, whatever it may be, it enters into a gate until it goes to a chute. Now, I want you to take in consideration something. Once the chute is there and the door is dropped, there's nothing that animal can do but panic. You must understand that these animals are not doing this on their own free will and accord. You see where I'm going with this? You see, what did we talk about last week? That when he went to the altar, there were horns on the end of it. What was the horns for? To tie the animal up. These animals had to be subdued to be sacrificed. So when you go into the chute as a slaughter, usually it's either shot or hit with a stunning hammer till it's dropped down, and then it is 
poked in its throat and its jugular to bleed it of its blood. Now, Chad, that's gross. Let me tell you something. Listen to me real quickly. Being a priest was a nasty work. And he shed a lot of blood. A lot of blood. And the blood was given by animals to cover the sin. And that animal would have to be subdued. I can tell you, I have seen what happens when an animal goes to slaughter and somebody misfires with a hammer. I've seen animals tear cages down. I've seen buffalo get loose in the kill floor. Let me tell you something. You see, the very nature, what I'm trying to point out to you is this. Animals have a nature. It's called fight or flight. They will either run or they will stand their ground and fight. But Jesus Christ, in his great mercy and love, went to the cross voluntarily. He did not have to be subdued by men. He went voluntarily to shed his blood. I love the text in which Pilate says, Do you not know that I have the power to let you go? Jesus says, You ain't having power that's already been given to you from above. I'm in control. He laid his life down voluntarily. This is very important. Because by laying his life down voluntarily, he showed his love for us and the pureness of who he was. Jesus Christ, who left heaven to come down as the living sacrifice, he did it voluntarily. See, blood's a nasty thing, but it gives life. I often think many times when I used to get through at kill days, going through and cleaning up the floor, we cleaned it with Clorox, had to scald it with 180 degree water so we could get things prepared for the next day for another round of animal assassinations. But yet, isn't it amazing that the blood here is not cleaned by Clorox, but the blood shed by Christ is clean enough to cleanse you of all unrighteousness? What beauty! Look what he says. But not through the blood of goats. For if the blood of goats, go back, you, you're right, go to the next one. Next slide. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now I want to do a summary of this, a Reader's Digest version. I pray that each of you go through the book of Leviticus because I want you to read this book of holiness. You see, there were certain things that they had to do because things defiled their body. They would touch a dead body. You were defiled. You would pick up a bone. You were defiled. There were things that they had to do ceremonially to make themselves clean. Do you get that understanding? They had to do certain things to cleanse themselves that God allowed through the sacrificial system. The problem is, is that cleansing was external not internal. They were still defiled, not by what they touched, by what they were. And look what he says. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish. Do you know what without blemish means? 
spotless. Now I'm going to give you an illustration. Now some of you bought that brand new shirt and you go to eat pasta. And all of a sudden that noodle drops on your shirt and you have a big stain that looks like an L or something on your shirt. Now go with me on this. You try everything that you can to get that stain out. You'll call your mama, you'll call your grandma. They'll tell you anything from baking soda to cholesterol, whatever it takes to get that stain out. But no matter how hard you try and how many times you wash, there's still a glint of that stain. That's what sin is. There's nothing that will wash that sin clean, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's what he is saying. He is unblemished. He is not defiled. He is not subdued, but he is righteous, holy, and he alone can take away the sin, not cover it. Look what he says. How much more will the blood of Christ, who without blemish, I want you to look at point number two. Listen. He paid the debt completely. Completely. You see, the animals, what he's saying, the why of Christ, the animals were just to cover it temporarily. And if you really understand this, let me tell you something. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, it's always been by blood. You say, well, how do you mean? Remember when they was caught in their sin, they were ashamed because they were naked. But God made skins, listen, that they'd be covered. Something had to die. You ever thought about that? Something had to die. The Bible tells me that Cain killed Abel because he was jealous of the sacrifice, if you will. Abel took the first of the meats. Something had to die that was pleasing to God. Let's go a little further. Let's talk about the children of Israel in bondage of Egypt. This is where it gets good, people. He says, I'll tell you what. You take the blood and you put it above your doorpost. And when the judgment and death come, they see the blood and pass over. Death and judgment pass over when blood has been spilled. Jesus is the great Passover lamb. John will say, behold the lamb who takes on the sins of the world. There is nothing greater than the lamb of Christ. Look what he says. He paid it completely. And let me tell you what it means to pay it completely. There are a lot of people that you may see that are cleansed externally, but still have things internally. What that means to pay completely means the debt has been paid. There is no more debt. The sins are forgiven. I preached this past Wednesday on the unmerciful debtor. How he went before the king because he owed a great debt that he couldn't pay. And the king commanded him being thrown into jail and his family. But he cried out for mercy and the king gave it. But as he was leaving, he seen somebody owed him a little bit of money. And he arrest, had him arrested and thrown in jail. When the king heard about it, he said, oh, this ain't happening. You're going to jail. Because what he was saying is, how can I forgive you and you not forgive others? Now, that's a different message for a different day, but I want you to listen to me. That blood that was shed on Calvary for your forgiveness is complete. And that shed blood on Calvary that was complete enough 
for all of us, or to teach us something that we ought to forgive others unconditionally to. But I want you to think about this. There was a businessman that for 30 years in his office, he kept everything. He could not do away with anything. Everything that he had, he would come across his desk, he would hoard. One day a secretary came in there and said, ah, this is enough. I can't even walk in here. She said, I'm going to throw away all this stuff in here. He says, okay, okay. He finally relented. But he said, make sure you make copies of everything you throw away. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to be serious for a few moments, people. That's the way some of you have been when you sin. Let me encourage you with this. That if God has forgiven you, he's forgiven you. And people say, well, you know, you don't know what they did in the past. I can tell you this. You don't know what I've done either. But the Bible tells me that he is faithful and he will cleanse me of all unrighteousness. When I call upon his name, he saved my soul and he forgave me of my sin. I don't have to make copies of my baggage because my baggage is gone. Do you believe that? That ought to encourage you. Don't you ever let Satan get in your ear and remind you of everything that you've done. You let him know of what Christ has done. I'm not trying to be super spiritual here with you, but I'm going to tell you something. Too many times one of the things that Satan uses the greatest is our past. And I see so many people get bogged down in their past. Let me tell you something. In Christ, there is future. And you have been forgiven if you have placed your faith and trust in him. Does sin have consequences? Absolutely. But I will tell you this. That consequence may be on this earth, but eternally we are forgiven and free. And there's nothing greater than that. I want you to understand that there's nothing greater than having that debt paid completely. Look what it also says. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Number three, he cleans us internally. He went voluntarily. He paid the debt completely, and now he cleans us internally. I want you to think about this. There was an Indian chief that was saved. And the missionary went up to him and said, how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing resisting the devil? He said, well, it's like this. I have two dogs that live inside me, one good and one bad. And they constantly are fighting with each other. The missionary asked him, well, which one wins? Whichever one I feed the most. Whichever one I feed the most. You see, when he cleanses you internally, you have the spirit that lives in you. And greater is the spirit that lives in you than in the world. You hear me? Let me tell you something. Every one of us can walk away from temptation. Listen to me. I get so tired of hearing people say, God will not put on you more than you can handle. That is wrong. The Bible says it. In context, he's talking about temptation. Context is everything. Because, listen, why would you need him? He will put on you more than you can handle, and you better get that in your head. Which tells you this, you better rely on him. Because he's the only one that's going to get you through it. And he gives you that internal cleansing, which means you have the Holy Spirit that is inside you. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you who convicts you of sin, who illuminates your life, who helps you with discernment of the scriptures to draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I'm throwing a side note out there for a minute. 
This morning we started to study in Sunday school about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you're not coming, I'd encourage you to come. A lot of people don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to tell you this. He is a part of the triune God. He is real. He is active. He is in the heart of every believer. And he has power. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing greater than knowing that when Jesus Christ said, when I leave this earth, I will give you a comforter. That comforter is the Holy Spirit. And because we've been cleaned externally and internally, we have a new we have a new person living in us. Amen? There's a difference. There's a difference. And look at number four. Look what it says. And from dead works to serve a living God, for this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant. Look. So that since death has taken place for the redemption and transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Let me tell you something about wills. The word, for, the word covenant here actually means translated in the Greek, it means will or testament. Now, if any of you know anything about wills, people love to go sit at wills and hear the reading when somebody's passed away. Have you ever noticed that people fight over people's things when they die? Now, I'm going to make a point with this. There's one thing I watched last night, and I wasn't going to throw this in there. It's kind of stupid, but it's kind of funny. Is it true to it? The Tiffany and I were watching one of these shows, mystery shows, and the commercial came on for Chewy. And it shows this cat sitting here in the lawyer's office, and the people say the cat gets everything in the beach house. And we all laugh at that. But I want to tell you something. The thing about a will is this. You don't receive anything unless the person who wrote the will dies. Now, here's the other part of that. Now, you may inherit something somebody wills to you. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to die. It's going to go somewhere else. Heard the story the other day about somebody who had inherited a bunch of land from their dad. And they wanted their dad, to, or they want the dad's last wish, if it was, was to hold on to all that and pass it along in the family. And the person didn't have it no time and decided to sell it for umpteen billion dollars. Or a million or whatever it was, I don't know. A lot of money. And I got to thinking about that. That's a lot of money to all of us. I guarantee you, a lot of people love to desire worldly things. You may play the lottery. I don't know. You may put whatever. I, I don't know what you do. I, I don't have a clue. But there's always that desire to get something here to make us happy now. But do you realize that that inheritance that you have, somebody else will have? You may have a sack full of money. Somebody else will help spend it for you. I promise you. That inheritance that has been given by man that you become a recipient when you die is a material thing that you can't take with you. But the inheritance that Christ gives us is an inheritance, according to Peter, that's imperishable and never fade away because we have an internal inheritance, an internal inheritance because of Jesus Christ. I want you to look what he says. For where the covenant is, there must be the necessity of be the death of the one who made it. Well, how was this covenant sealed? It was sealed by the death of Jesus Christ. You ever thought about that? That covenant, that will has been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something else about this will. There ain't nobody can alter its terms. There's nobody can change its foundations. There's nobody that can manipulate the structure. There's nobody that can become the power of attorney and manipulate it. 
because it's been signed, sealed, and delivered by our Lord God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. And according to the Word of God in Ephesians, we have learned that God has made us and called us, Jesus has saved us, and the Holy Spirit has sealed us, and nobody can take that away. It's time we got a little excited. You see, the Bible tells me, for where a covenant is, there must be a necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead. For it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. We talked about this. There is a price that needs to be paid. Blood has to be spilt for sin. It's a nasty business. But God requires payment in blood. A lot of people do not understand this. But let me tell you something. Life is in blood. But life must be taken to appease the wrath of God. And animals can't do it. But look what he says. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of goats and calves with water, scarlet wood, and hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And according to the law, one may almost say, All things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. I'm going to sum this up for you. If there wouldn't have been a birth, there wouldn't have been a death. And if there wouldn't have been a death, there would have been no hope. Because the price of sin had to be paid. I know we don't talk, like to talk about blood. I know we don't talk about the things that make us squeamish, but do you understand that somebody had to pay the price for the wrath of God? And he did it voluntarily. Isaiah tells us, by his stripes and wounds we are healed. Why are we healed by his wounds and stripes? Because they shed blood. He did it voluntarily. And he paid the debt completely. Brothers and sisters, listen, I don't care where you've been or what you've done. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved. And you are sealed until the day of redemption. I want you to understand I don't care what baggage, again, that you come with. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your daddy did. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care where you work. I don't care what, what it doesn't matter. I don't care what race you are, what country you're from. I don't care what your great-grandfather did back in 1808. I don't care. But what I do care is you stand right before God because of Jesus Christ. And if you are standing in front of him because you have placed your faith and trust in him, you are sealed and you are healed because you put your faith and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood. And he will cleanse you internally. You have a clear conscience. Why? Because you can lay your head down at night, not about the external things that's been cleansed, but the internal things. And you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And I pray today that each and every one of you that placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Spirit lives in you. If the Spirit lives in you, He has given you a new nature. And as I like to say oftentimes, if He lives in you, your want to is a change. The things that you didn't want to, you'll want to. And the things you didn't want to, you'll want to. And the things you did want to do, you don't want to do. Why? Because your want to's changed. Why? Because the Spirit lives in you who has changed you, who has cleansed you and made you whole. He'll cleanse you eternally. 
and you'll have an inheritance eternally. Do you realize that? You know, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't afford to give anything to anybody when you leave this earth, you say, Chad, I don't have a good house. I don't have a car. Man, when I leave, there won't be anything but to pay the undertaker. If I'm lucky, maybe that check will bounce. I don't know. John Wesley, when he left this earth, he had a Geneva robe, two silver spoons, and six pounds. One of the, he said, give a pound to each one of these men who carry me from the grave to the grave. A Geneva robe, two spoons, and six pounds. Did he have money? Absolutely he had money. But he gave it away for the glory of God. He built, he built orphanages. He supplied ministries. Everything that he had, he gave away. But he did leave one interesting thing. It's called the Methodist Church. Because he understood that everything that he had was not his, but Christ's. And if you leave this earth and materialistically with nothing, if you have Christ, you have greater than anybody could ever acquire. Because your eternity is not based on what you have, but based on who has you. You see, brothers and sisters, one day we're all going to die. Every one of us. The death rate is still one out of, one, one out of every one person dies. Now, some of us are going to go sooner than others. I may go today. So may you. I may live another 30 years. Don't feel like it sometimes. <laughs> but we don't know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We are not guaranteed the next breath. But what we are guaranteed is forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ who paid it once and for all. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon my name shall be saved. And I pray that you call upon Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with him, you can. And again, as I say quite often, you don't know when you're going to leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. And brothers and sisters, it is my desire that when I leave this earth, that one day I'll see you again. Because we got to understand, if we focus on an earthly inheritance, when we die, it's goodbye. But if we focus on an eternal inheritance, when we die, it's good night. I'll see you in the morning. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the person of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the why, Christ. Lord, the person was unblemished. The work was complete. And the why is because there's nothing we could do to measure up. But Lord, yet you and your grace and mercy has given us an inheritance which is imperishable and never fade away because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray today that, Lord, everyone here has a relationship with you. If they do not, God, I pray that you convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Lord, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. 
And as I often say, Lord, that mortuary that holds that coffin will one day hold ours. But Lord, because of Christ, death is not the end. And Lord, you have promised you would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I thank God. I thank you, God, for the price paid. I thank you for all the images and the pictures that point us to your son. And I thank you for your son who paid a price he didn't know because we owed a price we couldn't pay. God, I pray today if there's those that are saved, and Lord, they carry around the baggage, that Lord, you give them assurance that the sins have been cleansed. Lord, that we're not cleaned only externally, but we're cleaned internally. Because God, your son Jesus didn't discover the sin, he removed it. God, that's the only thing I have. God, I cannot stand before you with anything on my own. I have no argument before you. I have no case to plead with you. The only words I can utter is Jesus. Lord, I pray today. So hard, Lord, again, that if there's one here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that you make them so uncomfortable they can't stand it. Convict their hearts. Work in their lives. That, Lord, they would cry out for mercy. And your word says you will give it. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we love you. And all God's people said, Please stand and worship with us.